Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori, and today we're going to talk to you guys about making money. And who doesn't like making money? <laughs> Sometimes we get stuck in the same old rut, list one uh, list on one platform and kind of wait for sales to come in. But there are other ways to help bring in the bacon, especially in times like today. Yes, uh, Lori and I want to go through the different ways that we can create multiple streams of income and what you can do in your business to do the same. All right, friends, so grab your coffee, your glass of wine, or your beverage of choice. It's time to learn about all the ways we can make some money in this business. Let's go. Hey, Daniela. Hey, Lori. It's been quite a week, huh? It's really been a whirlwind. Um, so we are recording on the 14th, and actually this is going to go live on the 16th. So a quick turnaround on this, and we are in the heart of um, all this craziness of the COVID-19 virus. My kids are home. Um, my son Anthony is home until April 3rd, and Angelina in Rocco, their high school, just canceled and through March 27th. So we're just slowly getting into lockdown mode. We're not quite there. We're trying to visit all the last people we can before we're home for a long time. But we got to make that happen sooner than later. How about you? Yeah, I mean, um, as a lot of you guys know, I work for the state, so we've been very busy uh, preparing and, and getting things ready for the citizens in our state and trying to figure out what that means and what it means for state employees. And there's just a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on, and this is an ever-changing um, landscape Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's just it's not it's not fluid and there's a lot of ups and downs that are related to it and um there's a lot of unanswered questions and you know who qualifies for what benefits and um you know there's just a lot of there's a lot of feedback coming from the government and coming from um people who live in our state so well and it's the first time anyone has ever had to deal with this so we're punting in a sense you know like people are trying to make the best decisions with the information they have in front of them, but it's, it's, it's pretty scary and it's moving really quickly. So I can appreciate how this would be a really difficult time in the state house. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And I think that we do, we don't have a disaster plan for this. You know, every state has disaster plans for things that they've encountered and no state's ever really encountered this before. So mm-hmm. you're, you're going off of information of what you've done in the past in other situations that don't relate to your current situation. So it makes it a little difficult um, when it comes to planning, but you know, everyone is doing their best on all fronts. I think it's great that, you know, all politics aside, everyone's trying to come together and um, figure out what's best for the American people. I also think it's important to note that even if you don't fall in the bracket of people who could be affected by this virus. I think it's super important to take all these precautions that everyone is telling us to take. Um, a lot of care for the, for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. Yep. We care for the elderly or um, the immunocompromised that live among us. You know, we really need to be mindful of them. And all these precautions are essential to make sure that they're safe and that you're safe as well. So, you know, this this episode, we had planned ahead of time to do multiple streams of income, but it, it kind of falls it kind of falls at a good time because this is going to be Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like today, uh, moving forward, there's a lot of discussion on how are we going to deal with the slowdown in reselling and 
this, yeah, this comes at a perfect time, I think, because we are going to have to be patient and we're going to have to be really creative with our businesses and, you know, and just keep moving forward. In a sense, I feel like online reselling is one of the lucky professions. You know, we're not in the food industry. We're not uh, entertainment, you know, so we, I can still do YouTube videos and people can enjoy them and we can still resell online and people can be safe. So we're actually lucky and we're still feeling it. So I can only imagine some of the other businesses, what they're going through. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that we can all work on together and then implement these different processes, even when everything is back up and running and we're in a better place in the world. Um, For sure. I just think having multiple streams of income, regardless of what's happening uh, right now, is something that we can all have in our you know daily lives when it comes to reselling. There's other things that you can do to create income in your business. Yeah, we can all benefit from it. So, so streams of income, do they have to be reselling based, Daniela? What do you think? No, I don't think they have to be reselling based at all. I think that you can use your reselling business as a platform to promote other things that you're good at and other things that you enjoy doing, whether that's, you know, designing clothing, embroidery, knitting. Um, maybe you're, you're a writer and you like to write books and you're creating children's books, or maybe you're a graphic designer and you enjoy creating websites and you can use your reselling platform to create those websites for resellers or for anyone out there really. So me personally, I don't think it has to be just reseller based. Yeah, there are a couple things that uh, go hand in hand. I think, um, why don't we talk first about the reselling ideas, um, you know, things that we can do. And I feel like this has been talked about a lot in our community. There've been a lot of like suggestions, like what to do mm-hmm. with when the your business slows down. So like we can talk about a few of the things um, that are reselling related, and then we can get into more detail about the things that may be non-reselling related. Yeah. So one of the things that I know Lori and I both do, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of you are, are following suit, is cross-listing on multiple platforms. So Mm -hmm. I really can't stress how important it is to do this. And whether you're using a cross-listing application or not, it really doesn't matter. You can do this manually. But having your items in front of people on different platforms helps bring in that additional income that you might not be seeing if you're just listing on one platform. What do you think? Yes, and and I do, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly that it is helpful. But I also feel like I have seen some people who are super successful on one platform. I mean, I think there are some huge names in the business that just do one platform. Um, And that is kind of like, you know, just focusing on one thing and doing it really, really well. It's almost like niching down on YouTube and talking about specific things to grow your business. So I do feel like with, um, you know, if you are on just one platform. So like, I think for you and I, Daniela, both of us, well, I know both of us, our main bread, our main money is on Poshmark. Yes. Um, would you say, I mean, is the real, real competing with Poshmark for well, you? At not this really. Point? No, no, okay. it would definitely be Poshmark and then um, the real, real, and then eBay. Those would be, and like, I have Tradesy on there too, but that's like way at the bottom. That's like, things are on there and I even forget that I have stuff on there. You know, it doesn't really bring in that much money for me, but I also don't focus a lot of time on it. So when I'm cross-listing, I'm mostly cross-listing on eBay. That's really the main place now in the last couple of months that I've been focusing on besides Poshmark. Yeah, same here. I mean, I've that eBay is the only uh, platform that I cross-list to. Um, I do have a box ready to go to the real real. I just have to pull the trigger on that this week. I have a bag going to 
thread up with one Lux item in there so I can get free shipping. And I have been actually super busy over the past month um, with a consignment store for the first time. Like since Thriftless February, I've been working mainly with one um, consignment store. You know, I've also worked with Play-Dohs, but the consignment store has been like a weekly thing where I'm bringing them 20 to 30 items a week for like, I think I'm going on five weeks now. How's the consignment store going? I watched your latest video where you talked about um, having a credit there. So Yeah, I haven't cashed out yet. I was I was surprised because I went in... I went in earlier in the week and my credit was like $53. And then I went in the end of the week and it was 75. It seems to be building up quickly, but I don't, I don't know how many items they've sold. They've just told me what the balance is. Um, but this particular store is really good. Like when I check out, I, I'll bring them a bag. They'll go through the bag. Sometimes I pick it up same day. Sometimes I'll drop it off on a weekend and I'll go get it in a few days and they process it then. So, but when I do pick the bag up, they're including like a list of what items they took what they suspect it will sell for and then what the price is at the bottom and I get 40% of that price. And so it's, oh, it's averaging. Good. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I think it's more like Plato's closet prices, you know, like as far as like, I'll get between like three and $5 per item, but I have to remind myself, like, these are things that I was going to donate. So right. these are things that were cluttering my life and my basement. And it's actually been really fun. A lot of them have been things that friends have given me. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't think I'm going to sell that on Poshmark, but that's really a nice Ann Taylor dress. And I'm going to bring that to the consignment store and they're going to mark it at 20 bucks and, and I'll get eight, you know? So um, I've really been enjoying it. And it's also now become a place where I'm sourcing. They had a dollar sale, sidewalk sale, and I did really well on their sidewalk sale. So, and there's a Salvation Army down the street. So now I'm incorporating that into my routine when I'm in this town. And so it's, it's kind of nice. It's, it's just added another layer to my business, but I'm definitely keeping that consignment store in the back of my mind. So I don't think it's like bringing in a lot of money. I mean, 30, $75 for all, for five trips there. And, you know, I think they've processed about 60 items so far. So, um, you know, if, if you look compared to my average sale on Poshmark being around $30, it's like two and a half sales, not even, you know what I mean? But it's still something else and it's still revenue that I can count on, which is really nice. So I I enjoy it. Like you said, these are things that just either you weren't going to sell to begin with, or you were just going to donate. So the fact that you're able to make even just a few bucks on it, I mean, I think that's worth it. It's really nice and just building the relationship with the shop owner and finding out what they're interested in. And, you know, I think as you work with places like for me with my order that's going to the real real, I am a newbie. So I have been this week just studying like I watched um, Ryan's video um, mm-hmm. from Flipped Thrift. Thrift what is that? <laughs> Help me out. Jack, Jack, Valentine. Jack and Ryan. Jack's yeah. the one who does Yes, um, the real, real. But I was like writing down brands that they accepted from his video. And then I was going in my closet and seeing what I had and what I could pull. I'm so like new at this, but like, I feel like you can be at the thrift store now and be like, yep, boom, yep, boom. Like, I know they're going to take that. I'm going to grab that. Like you're getting faster at it, which is really nice. And I'm still in the new phase of it. So even when you do introduce um, different streams of income into your business. It, it takes time to learn it. Just, just like thrifting took time for us, you know, and we're still learning. Yeah. And I enjoy that part of thrifting. Now I actually look forward to just going out and finding items for the real real. Cause and when you look, when you think about it, the real real is a consignment store. It's an online consignment store as is thread up. It's the same concept. Um, 
I just love doing it. I love being able to like search through the racks and be like, oh my God, someone didn't grab this, you know, and I get to, I get to take it home and I get to flip it on a platform and not have to do anything. I'm literally boxing it up and sending it off. Um, I so, think that's the most exciting oh, thing with yeah. that. It's that it's no work to be like, okay, I'm going to check out and I'm going to put you in a brown box and wait yeah. to be sent. Like that concept <laughs> to me is like so exciting. It is. And I mean, I think I, I do have some pieces that I do want to send back to thread up. I know that I've said I haven't had good luck with them, but I do have some Lux pieces that haven't moved and the real real doesn't take them right now. So um, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to just fill a bag with there's like six pieces of the, of the Lux items. And then I'll probably throw in between 10 to 15 things I just was going to donate and see what happens. If I make like three or $4 on it, cool. You know, like I, I'll just leave it on there and maybe I'll source on thread up in the next upcoming month. That's a very safe way to stay healthy is to source. That's a great suggestion to source. And I, that's something I've also never really taken advantage of. I've never put the time in to say, I think I've had a $60 credit at thread up for like six months and I just haven't used it. And, um, now would be a good time to to do that. I'm curious, Daniela, what are the brands that ThreadUp is accepting that the real real isn't right now? So I have six pieces of Giorgio Armani that the real real does not take. Oh, yeah. since is that like a new thing? I feel like it's a moving target at the real real. Like, it is. It have they not taken it for a while, or is well, that they, new? they accept Giorgio Armani for men, but they don't accept it for women. So, hmm. um, and I think. I think they base that off of how many pieces that they receive by that brand or how many requests they might get for that brand. So they just started accepting St. John um, again, because it was off their list for a while. And now they're- Yes, I heard that. So, mm -hmm. And that's a pretty big deal. And they're pricing it. I mean, I can't say that they're pricing it all at a really good price, but the things I've sent in, they've priced well and they've priced yeah. about what I thought they would. Um, and they weren't moving for me. So I didn't, you know, I just sent it in with the other stuff that I was sending. Some people say that thread up prices St. John higher and that's, that's possible. Um, hmm. I've never tried, so I don't know, but I might try it the next time around and send some to the real real and some to thread up and then kind of play with that. To compare notes. That would be fun. I think part of the process of just learning so much, like, I don't know if that makes me nerdy or what, but that's part of the excitement for me is just like learning a new platform platform and what they accept and learning new brands and and even watching Jack's video and is what's sold like I could not believe the amount of North Face that he sent in and what they get for North yeah. Face same for like, Patagonia Patagonia sells really high on the real real I don't understand like who's buying like a, a North Face fleece hat for $30 used like these were the prices he was quoting he was laughing like I'm just gonna send all North Face next time, yeah, um, but I but it's, it's I don't great. sell Patagonia I, anymore myself. I send it all in. I don't bother. I make more in the real real in Patagonia than I do when I sell it myself. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I I have to say, like I feel like anybody who's listening, I'm sure, comes across like North Face at this point. I see it at the bins all the time. Um, you know, sometimes I think people get frustrated and, and they think, you know, they may not live in a metropolitan area. Like, well, I don't get, I don't find Armani. I don't find St. John, but I feel like everybody can get their hands on North Face. So that's kind of a fun experiment to just send it and see. But yeah, I'm very excited for that platform. Um, I'm, I'm there. I, I think I'm, I'm going to do a video on what I'm 
sending and I might like show a few comps in my video because I just feel like people can learn with me because it's new for me too. But um, yeah, and it's online, so it's safe and it's great this, you know, around this time. So yeah, that's wonderful. And another, um, so we have, so cross-listing on multiple platforms. We talked about consignment stores, um, Facebook marketplace. Do you use that, Daniela? I don't, but I know a lot of people that do and have success with it, whether it's sourcing on Facebook Marketplace or it's selling items on Facebook Marketplace. I don't have any personal experience with it, but um, I feel like a lot of people out there have, have used it. And it reminds me of a Craigslist, you know, and I used to use Craigslist yes. in the day, but that's what it reminds me of. Um, probably not something I would do at this current present moment, <laughs> given what's going on in the world. Right. Uh, but I think it's a great avenue for people that um, you can find really great items to source on there. And if you feel comfortable meeting up with the person to pick it up, I think that's great because you can get a good deal. I also think if you're trying to get rid of inventory, it's also a good place to do that as well. Yeah. And I really like Facebook Marketplace for me for things that I don't want to ship. So it's nice for small furniture that may be hanging around the house. If you have kids who've grown out of toys, like non-clothing items. I mean, they definitely sell clothing. I've sold clothing on Facebook marketplace before I was a big Craigslist Craigslist person with um, like doll stuff when I was like buying and selling American girl dolls. I did a ton of business on Craigslist. Um, but I, what I like about Facebook marketplace that Craigslist doesn't have is there's a face with the name. And I feel like you can, in some cases go on and like look at the profile, like see if it seems like a reputable, reputable person, you know, maybe meet in like a common place, like around here, I'll say, let's meet at Dunkin' Donuts or something like that instead of inviting people to my house or I'll make sure that my husband's home or comes with me if I'm going to pick things up. I mean, I got my dining room table on Craigslist um, and we drove, my dad picked me up and, you know, we moved it out. I sold my, um, we had like a rainbow play set that I sold before we moved to this house. So now that was like 15 years ago. I sold it for like $900 and some guy just came with a U-Haul and like a wrench. Oh, wow. He disassembled the thing all day, 900 bucks. We made him sauce and meatballs. He hung out oh. with us because he was there all day. But yeah, I have a lot of experience with it, but I will say since I started reselling, I don't really use it quite as much. Yeah, I, I definitely see it being used a lot when it comes to um, selling things in an apartment or in a home and, you know, things of that nature, but I, I don't really have much experience in it. But if it's something that you do and it works for you, you know, I think that's great. It's another way to make some money. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great option for sure. And if people are worried about like contact right now, a lot of people do like curbside pickup, like it's outside, you know, put the money in the mailbox sort of thing. I yeah. mean, I guess you run the risk that someone just takes it and doesn't leave the money, but I believe in, you know, good natured people. We'll see. <laughs> it's an option. <laughs> you don't want face-to-face -face contact. The um, next option we have, Lori, I really think it's becoming a like hot topic in our reselling little world that we have. Um, Instagram mm -hmm. stories. I think this is the new thing. I mean, it is a thing. It's not new. It's been happening, but it's growing. It's growing. And I think we, we touched on it a little bit in our last episode on social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people who are starting to get on like a, a schedule with Instagram stories. Um, some people do it as their main jam. Some people, you know, sell certain things. I mean, I, I definitely think a lot of people are testing the waters with it right now. And my guess is that they're meeting it with a lot of success because when you cut out the middleman being Poshmark or eBay, then the fees and the shipping, 
you know, it becomes this opportunity for the buyer and the seller to win because the, the seller is making faster sales. They're not having to go through all the listing process um, and the seller is getting something at a, at a better price. So um, it, it's, it's really an interesting thing. I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I, I tested the waters a little bit with it on my YouTube channel. So a different vibe, but similar. And I can talk about that later, but um, you had an Instagram sale. So talk about that. So I did your, have an your shoes, right? Yeah. yeah. It was just inventory I was trying to get rid of. I didn't, I didn't have any luck with it, but I'm okay with it because I feel like it's something you have to just consistently do. And the more that people see it, the more they're likely to look into what it is that you are doing and what you're selling. So even though I didn't make any sales from it, like it is something that I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate in my practices when it comes to reselling, even if it's just items that I've had for a long time that I'm either going to mark down or relist or something. Maybe I'll go to Instagram first and offer something to all my followers at a really great price with shipping included. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's just something that I think it's worth trying. I think so. And and I do think it's really important to figure out what works for you. So I tried two different things. Um, and, and they were kind of um, last minute, but it, it just was what it was. So two weeks ago, I had gone to Goodwill during the day and I got a handful of items, but it wasn't enough to do a whole YouTube video because typically that's where I will showcase my newer items before they hit Poshmark. Um, and so I just did in my stories, like I bought this and I, I didn't, on a few things, I didn't even give prices. I don't even know if I gave prices because I wasn't doing it as like an Instagram sale per se. It was more like, oh, this is what I picked up. And as I was photographing and measuring my pictures, when I had it up with the lighting, I would just do like a story on it. And um, that resulted in, I don't know, I think I sold like two or three items just from that with like unintentionally, because I was just like, Hey, this is what I got. It'll be in my closet soon. But before it was able to hit the closet, a few people reached out and I was able to offer them a good price. That's great. Um, yeah, it was, it was good. And it was kind of unintentional, but I was like, Oh, this is kind of nice. Like one person, uh, well, one person who does Instagram sales all the time, our friend Mira was like, why aren't you putting prices with that? I'm like, Oh, like I probably should, you know, she's like, get those sales. So I would, I should probably think more intentionally when I do it next time. Um, and then the following week I was in a situation on YouTube where I had been going to the consignment stores really consistently, um, but they stopped taking winter stuff. So I had a bunch of these sweaters that were nice, but they weren't like Poshmark nice, or I've just had them long that I was like, ah, I just don't feel like putting the effort in and then sitting on these sweaters. If they were the right brand, I would still 150% list a sweater. I'll list a sweater in July when it's a hundred degrees out, if it's the right sweater, but these were just like meh. So I think I had 12 sweaters. So at the end of my video, um, I just said, hey, I have these sweaters and I'm going to do them for $15 shipped, period. So that included shipping I, I, and I showed 12 and I sold eight of the sweaters. Now, I was excited about that. However, like two, two people bought two sweaters, so it was $30 and each of those packages were $15.75 to ship. <laughs> hey, whatever works, Lori. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, again, that was all part of the learning process for me. It was $15 to ship, but then I made about $14 and so like $7 a sweater. And even if I brought those sweaters to a consignment store, I'd probably make more like 
four or five dollars. So I still made money and I learned something and I tapped into something that was out of my comfort zone. You know, so it a lot of it is trial and error. Like maybe next time I would use pirate shipping. Have you ever used pirate shipping? I haven't, but we talked about it with Denali the last time. Yeah, it's just I it's just a cheaper thing. And I heard it's super easy, but I just didn't take the time to go in and do it. And I wanted to get the packages out. So I ended up shipping them priority and it cost more money. But it was progress, you know? So I think yeah. trial and error, like you did your shoe sale, maybe next time if you, you know, maybe you did something something different or who knows like we just keep trying until we figure it out we got to be creative especially right now I think the YouTube direct sales aspect of it is really interesting too because you could do a YouTube live right and you could announce it on Instagram and you can get people excited about it and have them tune in I mean you could really do an Instagram live too and do the exact same thing it's the same concept. You can do an Instagram live or a YouTube live and you're talking to your people. They're waiting. You're telling them about what you're going to be doing. And then you're showcasing these items. Like I, it's, it's like a live auction. Yeah. It's funny. I went to breakfast with one of my really good friends who I used to work with at American girl. And she, that's funny. You should say that because this is something I am planning to do, but I want to do it with models. I, I, I just feel like it would be a, a fun way to showcase and what I want to do is maybe do like almost like a capsule type of wardrobe so it's not random so either like a capsule where the styles are similar or I want to do um like like products like oh well tonight I'm just going to do athletic wear so some sort of theme I guess and um and she was saying like are you familiar with Jenny Boston that does like it's almost like home shopping network Jenny Boston is like a local um, clothing. They sell like basically what you see on Poshmark in the boutique section. And I guess, I guess every Wednesday night, we should check it out. We got to download the app and then every Wednesday night they do a live show and there's somebody like there's somebody manning the computer. My friend said, I'd never experienced this. So I'm sure we have people listening who know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm sure I'm going to get something wrong, but, um, they do, they, they have like either their daughters or like college age girls who are the models. And like the price points are like between 20 and say $40. My friend said, you know, at the end of the month, I look and I'm like, Ooh, I, I ordered like three times this month and I ordered a few things, but it's, it's like an experience. And so that's, it's a live show. They're selling it through YouTube. Um, but you go to their website. So I would have to do something different, either get a website or just go through PayPal or whatever. But I just thought it was an interesting thing. And if you do it consistently and people have it to look forward to, I'm going to try it. I'm excited. I don't know when, I don't know what, but <laughs> I think I, it's a good idea. I think it would be fun, you know, yeah. something to look forward to and move some product in, in a unique way, you know, in a outside of our normal, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think with everything that's going on right now too, a lot of people will be inside and on online and on YouTube and on Instagram and just kind of surfing around the web, right? So this is an opportunity maybe for us to look into other ways of selling items. Absolutely. Um, now you have thought about doing a pop-up shop. That's something we have on our list here. Tell, talk yeah. about that. So I've, I have this idea in my head and I still don't know how it would play out around here just because um, when it comes to like fairs and, and craft shows around here, it, it's, it's pricey to have a booth of some sort. So I don't, 
necessarily know where I would do this, but I have this vision, an idea where I would show up somewhere, don't know where, and I would have probably a couple racks of items and probably have a few items modeled on a mannequin of some sort of outfits and putting things together and maybe have it a little bit more curated, um, you know, picking pieces specifically for like business wear, more casual wear, like have racks according to that and just selling things on the street the old fashioned way. Like I just think there's, there's something about that when the weather gets nicer that people enjoy going to things like that. They enjoy- yeah. And there's something to be said for like touching the fabric and yeah. seeing it live. I mean, think of how much joy we get out of shopping at the thrift store. Right. Um, I'm not somebody who wants, Oh, this is actually another way though, which we could touch on is consigning for other people, yeah. you know, as, as another stream. Um, but yeah, there is something to be said for, for, seeing things live and, you know, getting the word out there to just like foot traffic, people walking by who we may be missing on Poshmark or Instagram or YouTube. You know, these are people who maybe aren't online shoppers, but they're going to walk by and see you. And then you make the personal connection. Right. And and I guess at that point, it's not necessarily about making the highest dollar amount on the item. It's about just moving the product at a good price and making someone happy. And I think that's what intrigues me about it. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I know when we were in Boston, the Seaport District is exploding right now. And um, it's just so much fun down there. In fact, I wanted to go, um, I went into Boston last week and I wanted to go to Everlane. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a store, but it's coming in March and it's going to the Sea District, um, which I'm, which I'm um, not surprised at all because it's very hip. They have like an outdoor voices store. It's a really fun area, but they have this little section where they're, I want to say they're like the size of sheds, Daniela. They're really small and they're in a row and they're all different vendors in these like little sheds. (laughs) And I don't imagine that the rent is hugely expensive and they're basically little pop-ups. I would imagine that these stores are primarily online. um, And I don't know if like what I saw in October will be there in May. Like, I don't know what their leases, so to speak, are, if they're six-month leases, two-month leases, or what. But they're these tiny little shops, one after another. In New York City, they have them in Bryant Park as well, um, where they're just one little shop after another. And I believe that these places probably do the heart of their business, the bulk of their business online. But it's like you were talking about. It's like getting in front of people, a lot of foot traffic, getting your name out there, getting your... Um, your product into the hands of people away outside of the internet. And I think it's super intriguing and I have no idea what those things cost. So we should look into those and see. We should. Maybe, I we, think we'll- maybe we could rent one together. That would be fun. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Maybe that's something we can collaborate on, Lori, and we can look into it and see what we can do. I think that'd be a really fun thing to do and probably more cost effective if we did it together. Yes, I think so. We should we should go into that. That sounds fun. <laughs> if anybody knows anything about that, message us because yeah. I would be really curious to to learn more about that that those pop up shops. Yeah, there's this fair that my sister and I go to in Mass, and I can't think of the. It's called the Oh Profile Market. That's the name of it, and it's so much fun. And there's a lot of antiquing there, and homemade items, and just amazing things but you also have a lot of people that are selling clothing as well and there Mm -hmm. are a few shops included in this um market that have vintage clothing or handmade clothing or thrifted clothing so i've always thought about i should inquire and see how much a booth would be i mean you have to set up your own tent like you do all the man work behind it 
Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a two day event and they have one in June and one in like October or November. So I don't know. That sounds like a fun thing to shop at and work oh at goodness. like that. I that sounds great. It. You know, another thing, Daniela, if you're talking about like a curated closet is, um, you know, just maybe having a booth in an antique shop. Yeah. That's a possibility too. You know, just, you know, keeping your wares there. And then if you're shopping at the bins and you're finding stuff that maybe you don't want to ship or housewares or little things that you know would do well, but maybe it's not your wheelhouse on Poshmark, that would be a fun thing too. I don't know how well antique booths do anymore. I really don't. I'm sure, I'm sure certain areas do better than others, but, um, but that's kind of along the same lines. I think in New England, a lot of people love when it comes to antiques, like the old signs, right anything that's nautical um just that that new just england that old new england vibe yes yeah. i think i think things like that are hugely popular around here during the holidays because everything in new england feels so like norman rockwell traditional you know um classic winters in new england so yeah i think i think those things do really well like harvest season and holiday yeah all right Let's talk about creating income, using your reselling business, but expanding upon just selling clothing. So there are other things that you can do in mm -hmm. reselling that don't necessarily require you to be sitting at a computer and listing items online. For example, a podcast. Exactly. Hey, what a good idea. <laughs> what a good idea. Yeah. So there are ways to monetize yourself online by creating content. So that's by creating a podcast, a YouTube, maybe, maybe creating eBooks and having sponsorships um, with that, maybe having courses. So there's lots that you can do. So Lori, you, for example, have a YouTube channel that is monetized. Why don't we talk about that? Yeah. Um, well, we talked a little bit about this last week as well. You know, you want to hit, you need to have a thousand subscribers in order to get monetized. And then you need 4,000 hours of viewing. Um, and then people start advertising on your channel. And depending on how you stand in the algorithm, you know, if people are staying on for a decent amount of time, like the more attention your channel gets, the more people will want to advertise with you. And, um, if people are clicking through the commercials or if they skip the ad or if they're really, really, really sweet and they listen to the ad for you, you get more money <laughs> um, <laughs> through ads. And yeah, it's interesting sometimes, like I'll think in terms of um, streamline, in terms of multiple streams, like if I do a haul and it does well, like I'll, I will get paid through AdSense on YouTube for just, you know, the video itself. And then sometimes I may do a few direct sales from YouTube and then I'll get money that way. And then say, I recommend our podcast on my YouTube channel. And then we get new followers on our podcast. I mean, if you hit like critical mass, you know, you can get to this point where you're, you're constantly like in a circular motion where one business is helping the other business out. So like YouTube is helping my Poshmark is helping our podcast mm -hmm. is helping my Instagram, you know, and it can spiral down if you're not, if you're not, you know, putting content out that your audience wants. So I tend to pay attention to my algorithm. I mean, to, to the analytics and see what people tend to like. And, and I've mentioned this before as well, but I mean, the videos for me that have done the best are 
specific bins videos like um, South Carolina bins or Boston bins. And I think people who are searching um, from their area or thinking about traveling to visit a certain bins, maybe they like that. My what sold videos tend to get a lot of views too. So, you know, if I'm looking at it from a money standpoint, those might be videos that I want to continue creating because that seems to be what my audience wants to hear. Yeah, and I think it's cool to have those tools available to you on YouTube because you can really um, curate your content for your viewers and mm -hmm. focus on the things that are going to help drive not only your income, obviously, on YouTube, but bringing people to your channel and getting new listener, not listenership, listenership is podcast. Well, viewers. yeah, but <laughs> we know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I think, you know, I, I think about YouTube a lot and if it's something that I want to get into and people ask me all the time and I just it's not that I don't want to do it. It's, I don't necessarily have time in my life right now to do it. Like it, it would require a lot of time from me to sit down, create a video, come up with more content, edit the video. You know, it's just, I don't know if I want to do that right now in my life. Like the podcast is easy and you know, we have fun and we enjoy it. And it's just us talking and, you know, sharing information. It's a little different. Than sitting it is. It is. I mean, I have um, been amazed by how much time YouTube has taken. Um, when I started this journey, I was thinking more reselling and YouTube was way, way back burner, even if it was even on the stove. <laughs> um, and then I got the idea to do it. And now I feel like it's becoming more and more. And I enjoy it though, too. I mean, some people just don't like it. You know, I, I enjoy the whole process, but I, it stresses me out a little bit because you know, I'm trying to do at least two videos a week. I'm thinking about getting on a schedule soon where I do two videos on specific days. And then the third one, if I do a third one is kind of a whenever, if ever I get to it in a week, but like at least get to the two videos a week because it's, you, you feel this pressure sometimes like you have a video and maybe it does well, maybe it doesn't. And, you know, after three days, it's, you feel like it's completely irrelevant. Like there are 50 new videos out by 50 other reseller YouTubers who are wonderful and you know they've moved on so you get whatever you got in those first 72 hours or people you know what sometimes when people newly discover you they'll kind of binge and go through a bunch of your videos but I mean generally speaking certain videos like once people are over it they're over it and then it's like okay what do, I have to come up with something else you know and it's yeah. it's tricky I think that's why so many people do hauls and what's sold is because those are just more like the bread and butter of YouTube you know like it like Anthro and Patagonia are on Poshmark like those are the videos yeah. that you know people are are interested in and and so you can always kind of fall back on those but you also want to challenge yourself and move out of your comfort zone like anything not just YouTube like even with our podcast like maybe we and if down the road we discuss more controversial things that maybe we don't agree on and it might get heated or you know like sometimes you take chances and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not and it's just part of the growth how fun would that be Lori and Daniela getting into it I don't even I don't even think it would happen I think we would laugh it off like I, we would try to take each other seriously as much as possible I know we both have pretty thick skin I think we'd yeah. be okay I think we'd be fine too <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, but you know what I mean? Like sometimes you, you, you do take chances just like we were just talking about in Instagram with this, with, you know, mm -hmm. doing Instagram stories, like you got to find out what works for you. And, and even things that you might 
like I am a total like planner wannabe. I want to have the most beautiful written planners. I use the passion planner and I swear it's like a diet for me. Like every Monday I'm like, this is the week <laughs> I'm going to use color coded pens and my, mm-hmm. my planner is going to be beautiful <laughs> by Tuesday. It's a like mess. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, like I'm just not good at it, but I love it. And I still keep trying. Like I keep trying until I figure out what works for me. So, um, you just keep trying and you do what likes and what maybe suits your personality and you just keep moving forward. So, yeah. Yeah. And even if you're thinking about starting a podcast, so some people that um, listen to us have now started their own podcast, which I think is great. Uh, There's room for all of us in the podcasting world, just like there's room for all of us in YouTube. Uh, Oh, for sure. But with podcasting, there are opportunities to also get sponsorships, whether it's from the platform that you're hosting on, or you are going on websites and reaching out to different companies to see if they'll sponsor you and you're creating um, commercials based off of the, what they're telling you. They usually hand you a script of some sort. So mm-hmm. there, there's ways to do that on podcasting. There's also other ways, like we had mentioned about courses. So um, whether it's reselling course, or maybe it's a course related to something that you I don't know that you have as a yeah, like certain YouTubers offer like mentorships. Yeah, um, I mean, so I guess the, in a sense, those are courses where it's like one-on-one coaching to like help you in your reselling journey. Um, I don't know like the specifics of it, but I imagine they're like maybe going through your closet and like giving you tasks to do and setting goals and things like that. I know like Rally Roots, like they do a whole. I haven't watched them in a while, but I, I know love that- them. Yeah, I feel like I watched them like every single day for so long, but then they they kind of got really big and they're um they're eBay 100% and like at some point I just felt like a little disconnected as far as what I was doing, but I love I mean I love they're they're a lot of fun and they are a huge success story, but I know they run courses. Um so there are definitely people out there and you know, if you're somebody who loves to teach or you feel like you have something you can really offer, um like a niche within our thing, whether it's like with analytics or whether it's with like personal, um, you know, coaching, like helping people do better on on their YouTube channel or presentation of their closet. There's so many uh, facets of our business. Like if you specialize in something, like you could really promote that. I'm thinking like even people who are, um, who do a lot of crafts and DIY type things and, and create items, like people that sell on Etsy a lot and they could have courses on how to create, I don't know, some type of pottery, right? And you have a step-by-step course on this and you can do live webinars and people sit together with you and you're showing them how to do some something and they're doing it with you. Maybe it's with embroidery or stitching or knitting or something, Like there's so many different things that you can do with that. It doesn't necessarily have to be reseller based. So that's an idea. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think um, my mom is a phenomenal cake decorator and she watches, she follows so many YouTube channels on cake decorating. And so one day I just randomly Googled it and oh my goodness, there is so much out there on cake decorating and people can just watch and demonstrate. So like you said, if it's like stitching or painting and a couple of my daughter's friends paint on denim. And, um, yeah, they have, they have Etsy pages that they sell on Poshmark. And there's a girl at Penn state who does phenomenal. I wish I could think of her name. Anthony showed me her site, but, um, she takes like t-shirts at Penn state and, um, I'm sure she doesn't for all colleges, but she just happens to be a student there. So she'll crop 
like a basic t-shirt and then she adds like an elastic in um and stitches it into the hem so it becomes a crop top that oh wow like is basic like is elastic like right under your chest yeah. so they're they're super cute on all these college students and she repurposes all these t-shirts and then uh, she also um she, I don't know if it's the same person, but there's somebody also who just sells like vintage Penn State stuff and it's just all vintage sweatshirts, but she, and she sells these t-shirts for like 40, $50 oh, and wow. yeah, it's, she's booming. And then like, and then she's got all this built in marketing, right? Because kids go to the tailgate, they go to the football games right. and they're all wearing their crop shirts and then they tag her and then more people want to buy them. It's brilliant. She's doing amazing amazing yeah, on campus point, at that point the people that are buying your items are, are marketing you right and that's such a unique thing that she's doing absolutely I, I thought it was just brilliant so I, I love when I see like young people just like going for it you know these college students who just and, and it's kind of a simple concept right any of us could do that well I mean this kind of brings us to our next um ways to create income that we have on here is our upcycling thrifted items and creating new items to resell. So it's basically, even though oh, there you go. Yeah. We just talked about, yeah. Right. Even though her items aren't thrifted, I mean, they might be, I mean, you don't know, but she's upcycling, she's creating something new with it. And you can do this with clothing, handbags, embroidering things on, um, on your items or knitting items. So for example, um, isn't Tori doing this? Tori, right that's exactly what I was just going to say. Tori oh. is embroidering items, uh, embroidering things on her items that she's thrifting and selling them. I think that is such a great idea. Tori is girly girl style for anybody who's listening. She embroidering or she, she's embroidering, right? She's like embroidering. on denim. She's embroidering, yes. denim, which I think is such a cool idea. And it really goes. So to go back to our last episode about spring trends, Totally goes into that as well because that it, it has like a very vintage, like 70s kind of style to it. And I, I just think it's great. I love it. It's so great. And then it gives it that customization. And then, um, you know, again, it, it, I'm sure it's something that Tori loves to do. So anytime you can do something that you really enjoy doing it, doing, you're more likely to do it and more likely to do it more often. And if you can marry those two things where it's something that makes you money and something that you love to do, like that is just the best. Yeah. So if you, if you have any talents, go for it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at her Instagram page now. Like for example, she has a pair of Levi um, 501 denim cutoff shorts and she embroidered on one of the pockets and it's adorable. Like it is the cutest thing. And I mean, think of that. just when I'm out shopping, anytime something has embroidery, that adds value to me. Like when I think in terms of like free people or Johnny was or those brands that we all loved or so many of us love to pick up because they're embroidered and here she is just creating. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply it on her own yeah so I think I love that and uh there's some other people in the community too that 
um, take pieces of clothing from maybe the bins or something that have been tattered and they create something new from it, whether it's a shirt or a vest or a handbag or a quilt. I mean, there's so many different things that you can create with items that you're saving from the landfill. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. wonderful. And I think the bins are a great um, resource for you when you are looking to be creative with textiles. You know, there's, there's just so much there. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's exciting. That's exciting stuff. I, I love, I love the creative side of this. It's wonderful. All right. Our next area is a little more, I guess, 2020, which would be creating images and social media content, um, maybe working on other people's businesses with them and uh, creating websites. If you have the knowledge and the ability to create graphics and- Call me, call me. Okay. <laughs> Lori Tata, 1973 at gmail.com. I need a website. Yeah. No, it's like in my next life, I said this before, I want to be a graphic designer. Like these yeah. people have skills. Like, yeah, creating people's websites. What else? Um, people who share closets for you. Yeah. That's something you can do. Yep. People that list for you, people that photograph for you. Um, you can do all these things. So let's say reselling isn't taking off for you, or maybe you need a break from it and you, but you still enjoy aspects of it. You could be making some side money doing this. No mm -hmm. harm in that. You already know the process. So, or even for a teenager out there. So maybe you're a mom of a teenager and they're looking for something else to make some extra money for whatever it is that they want. Here mm -hmm. you go. I hired a teenager to come in and do measurements for me and take pictures. So she would measure and photograph and then hand it off to me. And then, you know, occasionally I would have to go back and take a couple pictures, but I would say she did a really excellent job and she photographed a bunch of things that I didn't want to photograph. And it was, it was great. Totally worth it to me. Okay. The next thing I don't have an experience with, but you do Lori and it's brand affiliation. Yes. So, um, well, I just want to say anyone can be an Amazon affiliate. So I like to share that with people because you I just go on. Yeah. You just go on to Amazon and you can sign up for the program. And, you know, Daniela, if it's something that you share on Instagram and people go through you, you know, they, you can be an affiliate for Amazon. So, so other affiliate programs, um, you know, oftentimes the brand will reach out to you. So I've, I've worked with a couple, not too many, but, um, and they offer different things. So to me, it's kind of the wild west. I don't, I was new to this, um, as a relatively new YouTuber. Um, but the first brand deal I did was with a printer company. And in that case, they just offered me the printer, um, no money. And it was the first gig I got. So I was absolutely thrilled to work with them. Um, but I also made sure it was something that would add value to my viewers and to my business. So um, I think you just have to be careful. Like I, somebody reached out to me to do uh, like a tea thing. And my daughter, Angelina, was the, one, was the one who said, mom, don't do tea. Don't be a sellout. I'm like, why is that a sellout? If, but it, wasn't, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have felt like a sellout to me if it was something I really believed in. But I just didn't feel like it worked with my business. And it was like a diet tea or something like that. So, you know, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was a good match for me. And there was like one jewelry company who reached out who, again, I just didn't feel like it was a good match. But when Ana Luisa 
reached out, they used recycled gold and they, so that I felt like was right in line with what I do. So for me, it means a lot for me to also believe in the brand and the printer I was a little nervous with because it was an unknown brand. And it took me a while before I did the video because I wanted to use it. And even now, every time it has a little glitch, I get this pit in my stomach, like, oh my gosh, the people who bought it, who I recommended it to, do they like it? Is it okay? Is it working for them? Would they tell me if it wasn't? Like, there's a little bit of stress for me that goes along with promoting something. And then recently, Skillshare. But the companies all have different things. The reason I mentioned different ones, sometimes they'll offer products, sometimes they'll offer money. Sometimes you have to um, negotiate because I don't, I don't really know what I'm worth yet on YouTube, but I'm sure what I'm worth is not what somebody else is worth, you know, based on my, my um, audience. So, but it is a way to earn money. So with, with some of the companies, I receive a commission every time something is sold. With other companies, it's like an upfront amount and then I get no money after that. I might get their product like FabFitFun, like they sent me their spring box. That was not a paid sponsorship for me. Maybe other people get paid for it. I have no idea. For me, I just opened their box online and gave a review. So it really varies. And I even believe that within the brand, it varies from one person to another. You know, somebody with 100,000 followers is going to make a lot more money than I'm going to make, I'm assuming. You know what I mean? With my followers. So it's 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 difficult to navigate, but it's definitely been a, a nice um, other avenue for. So I need to get better about Amazon, like because people will ask for links from me, yeah. and I some YouTubers they just have them like as like a it's always in every single one of their videos, even if they're not talking about the brand in that video. And I need to be better about that. Um, I am going going to be doing a video about the items I use and that would lend itself to giving the list, but I'm not super good about sharing that information, but everybody should go out and sign up for the Amazon affiliate program because anybody can do it. Right. And I'm on Amazon's affiliate li link right now. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. someone could do that. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody can do it. Well, I'm going to sign up for that then. Good. I think you should. Well, because I mean, every like you have your followers on Instagram and if there's a product you believe in or use and then someone clicks the link, you know, it might be like 20 cents you get back. I haven't made a lot of money, but I haven't, again, I think whatever tools you're using the most, you're going to make the most money on. I have not used that. In fact, I feel like I've probably lost money on Amazon affiliate because I just don't use it enough. And I need to get better about that stuff because it, it would help my business. Like now, right now when sales are slow, this would be a really good time to promote that. Yeah. And I think um, in terms of Instagram, it becomes easier to probably make money on Amazon. Once you get to the 10,000 followers on Instagram, you have the swipe up option. Mm -hmm. Then people are like, oh, cool. Let me look into this and they'll swipe up, you know, where if it's just in a link tree link in your bio, not many people are going to click on it as much as a swipe up. It's in your stories. Right. I also recently became an affiliate for Vendu, oh, nice. um, which is, yeah, which is the cross posting. Um, and I don't, I don't even remember what I get, um, but I do have the link in my bio. Um, so if anybody wants to sign up for Vendu, I do highly recommend their service. I mean, they, I, I've been trying to just do like a couple posts a day. Um, I just want to stay active on eBay. I don't have an eBay store. I don't have it. I, it's not huge, but like, 
certain items I do want on eBay as well as Poshmark. So even if I'm just listing like two items a day, that's my new goal for myself is two items. Takes me less than five minutes on Vendu. Like I, I pop on there, I import it from Poshmark and I send it over to eBay and I make a couple, you know, I tweak it a little bit for my eBay listing and off it goes. So Vendu is an awesome tool. List perfectly is great. Um, so those are also ways that you can get a little bit of revenue. But mind you, Poshmark is still far and away oh, yeah. where I'm making most of my money. I mean, hopefully over time, as all of our businesses grow, um, you know, you can count lean on some of these other streams of income more. Like I know with you and the real real, like that's like substantial, you know, yeah. it's that. So there are certain things. And for me, it's YouTube. Like I need to, I put a lot of energy into YouTube because that, that has been working for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the next thing we're going to talk about, is kind of fun. I think some people in the community have dabbled into it, but selling branded items like shirts and bags and hats and mugs. And there's so many different ways to do this. Um, like I know Erin, for example, who was creating the full-time. Um, oh my gosh. I love those what, shirts. What, what did it say? I can't remember what it said. Oh my God. There was a part-time posture one and then a full-time posture one. I feel like, let me, let me see if I can grab Oh, but it was funny. Go to her Instagram page and find it. So she's Oscillating on Instagram. Stay at home posture and then the part-time posture one. And then she Stay at home posture. I love that. (laughs) And then she branded it with her logo. And these were fully thrifted items that she found. And she created these. I believe um, she did them herself or her husband helped her with them. But either way, what a great concept. I love her style so much. Erin's awesome too. She's, she's She's a great resource. Um, yeah. Stay at home posture. Super cute. Yes. So, um, that is another way. Like once you get your brand, if you have a tagline that you like, um, and you can, you can put it on anything if you think it will sell. Um, like for me, I don't think anyone's going to want to buy something that says Lori's Boston found, but I, my tagline where thrifted is the new black, I would like to maybe work on my tagline a little bit, like maybe sweatshirts that say thrifted is the new black on a black sweatshirt. Like those are things I'm toying with. Um, I know that Courtney did her bags, um, common yep. tags. She did like Ben's hair, don't care. And um, I ordered the one that said good thrifting vibes. And they were like these really cute, like burlap bags. So even if I think she may have had like common tags on there, but even even if you just come up with something that's cute and it's not your name per se, mm-hmm. um, you can be as creative as you want and you can you can put it on whatever you want and you know it, it's it's just another way you can sell things. Yeah, and I think you can sell them. You could sell them on Poshmark, and you can sell them on Etsy, and you can open a Shopify store and sell them there. Like, there's so many different ways that you can sell these items. Um, and there's different websites that you can use to help you create them too. So it doesn't have to be something complicated, but it's something fun and something different and definitely something that I think Lori and I might look into when it comes to this podcast. So who knows? Stay tuned. Yeah, it is. It, these, these sorts of things are really fun. And I think we as a community like, like, like to support each other. So it may not be anything that's like booming, but I don't know. It's just, I think when I think in terms of this business to just know that the possibilities are endless, like, yeah. you know, you can be as creative as you want. You can be as low key as you want. Like it's all up to you, like what works for you. And it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. The possibilities. Yeah. So, you know, in doing all of this, 
there's a lot of organizing, right, and consistency that kind of have to be put at place. And sometimes that can be hard when you have multiple streams of income and multiple things that you're doing, right? And it's a matter of balancing it all. And, um, you know, Lori and I have a great friendship and we are able to balance with our lives and, you know, whether it's personal stuff that's going on and, or work related things, you know, we work together and we have our own schedule that works for us. And whether you're working with someone or you're doing this yourself, I think finding the balance, keeping yourself organized, creating a schedule, um, knowing what the content is that you want to create, maybe talking about it with someone else, just having some type of system put in place is really important. Yeah. And it can be even just, um, like say, say you're talking about one stream of income. So say you're listening and you're on Poshmark, like you can get organized with that. Like as far as just waking up, when are you doing your shipping? Are you prepping it at night? Is that the first thing you do in the morning? When do you share your closet? Like put it on your calendar and just sometimes, even though I know how my day typically goes, I like to write it down. I'll write in lunch and I'll write in shower. (laughs) Because sometimes if I'm shooting a YouTube video and it's like noon and I have no bra on in my plaid pants that I've worn to bed four nights in a row, I'm like, okay, Lori, you need to put in a shower from one to two so that you can be on camera from three to five or whatever, however long it's going to take. But put those things into your day. Um, and if you are adding multiple streams of income or like trying some of these other avenues, I just downloaded literally downloaded it last night. It's called click up and it is, um, it's like software that helps. It's, it's like content organizing. Uh, it's a content organizer. I'm, I'm really not pitching this very well, <laughs> but, um, it helped. And I think there's another one called monday.com and, um, Asana is another one, but they're all like these content, um, softwares. But I think the nature of them is to be used. Like if you have a staff, So like you, I'm going to send this off to my editor and then my editor is going to bring it like we, most of us are one man shows, like unless you have a lister or a share or something like that. So I'm not sure I need to kind of get like the very remedial version for my life, but it is a content planner. So I am now trying to think more in terms of, you know, do I want my YouTube content to maybe reflect what we're talking about here on the podcast or vice versa? Like if we're talking about multiple streams of income, you know, maybe I will do something related to this in YouTube. Um, And then, yeah, so I'm just trying to get a calendar together. You know, I am not one that ever plans my Instagram posts, but a lot of people do. Do you plan Instagram posts, Danielle? I just do them when the, when the. try to plan them, but it also depends on what's going on in my life, right? And how busy work is and stuff. So I haven't really posted in the last week, but um, I try to get at least two or three posts up there, but I want them to be content rich. Like I don't like to just post things to post things. Like I want there to be a message or meaning or a learning experience for people on it. And I want Mm -hmm. it to be conversation starters. So I do have an idea of what it is that I want to put out there. And then I'll, I'll have the photo and then I kind of think about it. And then I go in and I, you know, type something up really quick and I'll post it usually on like a Sunday or a Wednesday. I try to do kind of a couple days in between, but I can't say that I like plan it to a T. I know I have an idea of what I want to do and then I kind of see what time allows because I do have a full-time job. So, you know, I have to be careful. Yeah, no, I'm just curious. I, I'm kind of like the wind blew left and this seems like a good time to post. 
Well, there are algorithms associated with posting. So like you can go on Pinterest, for example, or Google it. And um, there's articles out there that explain when's a good time to post on Facebook, when's a good time to post on Instagram, when's a good time to post on YouTube. And it's all based on algorithms and when people are going on the websites, like what timeframes is it common for people to go on? And every platform is different. So mm-hmm. it's interesting when you start diving deeper into the content realm and what social, how social media works is what I should say. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating. It is, it is. So if you really want to get into content and you want to know when you should be posting, then I think you should research it a little bit and see what platforms you enjoy posting on and what times work best for the people that are usually on it. Yeah, that that's an option. I haven't, I haven't put that onto my calendar yet. I haven't like prioritized that. I mean, I've prioritized by saying I want to post on Instagram at least twice a week. Um, I mean, I do stories every day, but like actual posts twice a week. But I sometimes I just have time during the day. I mean, can you schedule Instagram? I think you can. Like, yeah. like I can schedule a YouTube video to come out at a certain time. Can you schedule Instagram to go live? You can't schedule it on Instagram itself that I'm aware of. You have to use a scheduling app. So there's different websites out there that you can use to schedule all your posts to go out on social media. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's a lot. But anyways, this content calendar is supposed to help me with that. So I have to just start plugging in the contact and content and you can create lists and then bullet points within the lists. And so for me right now, I keep a separate calendar for my YouTube videos. And literally when things come to me, like at the beginning of the, um, of the month, like it will say like March and it will say things I want to get done and notes. And on that, front cover of the month, I will just jot down ideas as they come to me. Um, so in no particular order, just things like, oh, this seems like something I want to do, like, like the live that I want to do. Um, and then I will write it down and then I flip through the month and I try to figure out where I want to put it in the month. And then I, I'll always have videos if I am working with a brand that has to go out at a certain time. Um, and it, it sometimes is specific, the content they want when I'm promoting their brand, sometimes not. Um, so some of those I have to plug in first and then I can plug in my content around it. But I, I'd like to maybe get more of a schedule with Instagram and then our podcast. Like I want to review the notes for our podcast and do research for our podcast. Like when we did the spring and summer, I wanted to do a little bit of research and I had mm-hmm. to block out the time to make sure that I researched summer trends and I didn't just hop on the podcast. Like certain podcasts I can wing if it's something that I'm very familiar with, but that was something I really had to research a little bit. So I think it's important to get, and I'm not like a super organized person by nature. So it's really helped me to keep a calendar and, and budget out my day. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's helpful. I try so hard to do digital planners and I just struggle with it. Like I start off really well, like I can keep up with my my calendar on my iPhone in terms of like appointments. And that's something new for me because I I like to write things down. So I struggle when it comes to that kind of stuff. I just downloaded the app you were just talking about and I'll, I'll try it out. I'll see if it's something that I can stick with. Yeah. And there, there are different ones. And of course, like I'll download the app and then I'll go watch four YouTube videos because I'm like a visual person. So I like to see how people use it. Um, and they'll give you like tips and tricks and things like that. So I, I would like to use this because I'm finding like, so in my little written calendar that I was just referring to with just YouTube content, I keep that separate from my passion planner that I use for my everyday stuff. Um, but 
you know, say, say I'm doing something on a Wednesday and I start writing notes on that day because I have a few lines. Inevitably, there's always more I want to say, then it runs on to the next day. And then I try to write in the, the you know, the, the margins and I'm writing in notes. And then all of a sudden it's kind of a mess. And I'm like, uh, this would have been better if I just had bullet points on a computer. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah. a lot of people use, um, you know, Google Docs, um, and they keep things in there. So I just have to find the program that's right for me because it's definitely getting to a point where that would be helpful. All right, Lori, I think that's everything. Yeah. felt like we covered a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot. It's, it's exciting. There's a lot of options for people. There are. And I'm sure we missed some things because there's just so many things out there. Right. But these are the things that came to mind, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we see in the community that I think is important to share with everyone. So they don't feel like they're stuck in one place because you're never stuck in one place. There's always things that you can do. There's always options. I hope that was helpful. It yeah. was, it was fun to talk it out and to just challenge myself, like what, what we can do differently too. Yeah. So now it is time for our take it or leave it segment. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And this week we are talking about denim. Isn't that fun? Oh, I love denim brands. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. So what are some like, before we hit the um, take it or leave it, like w- give me like two brands that you absolutely like are looking for like bucket list or, you know, like can't, you know, want to buy anytime, any day for your closet denim. So I will always buy Everlane jeans when mm-hmm. I can find them. I'm always looking for Everlane jeans. Um, uh, my bucket list item would be a gold and girlfriend. I still haven't found those. I know I haven't found either of those. And, um, and just, what is the Levi's one? Is it called reworn? Mm, maybe. Um, yes, I think it's re, um, I'm not sure, but there's like basically upcycling denim Levi's. Oh, I'm, I'm messing it up. Someone's probably cringing right now, but anyways, yeah, I yes. I, I, me and Levi's, like I, tr- I'm trying to learn about Levi's cause I know there's so many like the, like the wedgie or whatever. Like, I don't know much about Levi's. I love the wedgie fit. I think I've sold those like three times and I they found them a couple times on retail them. arbitrage and I do love them. That's yeah. a good, that's a good one to find. The made and crafted. I found a pair of those. No, I haven't seen those. I um, retail arbitrage for me. We should do a Levi's episode. We should. On our podcast. We should. Because I don't, <laughs> I know nothing about Levi's. So <laughs> I, I like kind of went down that rabbit hole, but there's so much to learn, but that would be a fun one to discuss with people. But, um, but anyways, yes. Okay. So yeah, girlfriend, I haven't found those. I would love to find them. Um, yeah. I, haven't found I, I still get, ex- I still get excited when I see Madewell. Am I lame? Oh, yeah, no, 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 me too. Me too. I know that that's on our list though. That's on our list. So it is. It is. Right, the let- one that I haven't found is, um, re- uh, reformation jeans. I haven't found those either. I have not found a single reformation piece period. I found one. That's it. Mm. That is it. Yeah, no, that would be exciting. It would be very exciting. It would right. be. Let's get to our first brand here. First All right. Well, I just mentioned it. So first off is Madewell. Yes, I will pick it up if it is a newer style. So like... So no old tag Madewell. Yeah, I don't really do old tag Madewell. I don't. And it, it needs to be a, a current style for me. So like a lot of the 2016 and up, I'll grab. Okay. Yeah. Do they have the date like J. Crew on them? Most of them do, yes. 
Okay. So is it the day tripper? Is that one of the lines? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The I don't know. That was one that sold well for me, but the high rise, there's a nine inch high rise, a 10 inch high rise. Um, and those tend to do really well for me. Definitely high rise. The skinnies are good or the wide legs, but I haven't really found wide leg. Um, I've mostly come across their skinnies. I'm trying to think. I've found two pairs of wide legs and they've sold very quickly. But that's also mm-hmm. a big trend right now too. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of gravitating more towards the wider leg than I am the skinny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just haven't come across them. I would definitely scoop them up if I could. But yeah, Madewell still seems to be pretty consistent. I think there was a time where Madewell was like the 60, 70 mark. Yeah. I don't know if you would agree or disagree, but I feel like right now Madewell is more like 45, 55. And sometimes even 35, depending on the style. Depending on the style. Yeah. But still, I still get excited when I find Madewell jeans. Of all the things at Madewell, for me, like I love the jeans and like the outerwear the most. Their uh, denim jackets do really well too. I don't get as excited about like their tops and stuff, but when it comes to denim, Madewell does it well. I agree. Totally agree. Okay. Moving on. Mm-hmm. J brand. J brand. Hmm. I don't even think of J brand anymore. I don't either. And it's so sad because the quality is actually pretty good, you know, and it's an expensive jean if you're buying it retail. Um, I have two pairs of J brand and they're new at tag and I grabbed them because they are more current style, but they're just nothing. Yeah. J brand Joe's page. Like I feel like a lot of those are like super high quality, but they just don't sell. So it's tricky. Yeah. I, I have to say that if I found a pair of J brand that were current, I probably might pick them up for the right price. But the truth of the matter is I feel like every J brand I find is like a boot cut low rise, like, and just totally dated, like, yep. 10, 15 years old. So they, they, they were a thing, but I just, I don't really even see any of their current stuff. So I can't remember the last time I picked up a J brand or if I even have any in my closet currently. Yeah, I have two right now and they are a current style and I happened to find them at Savers and they were new at tag. Um, so I grabbed them as the price was right on them, knowing that I'm not going to probably make a ton of money on it, but uh, I don't pick it up. Yeah, they still have like, you know, some of these things, like a lot of these, a couple of these brands we're going to mention, like they do have a following. Like I actually sent out a ton of offers this weekend and I sold a a pair of Paige. We don't have Paige on this list, but um, that's one of those brands. It was the old Paige tag. It had like embroidered flowers on the bum, but like 2005 embroidered, like almost looked like a patch boot cut. Um, and I, so I sent out an offer for $25 with discounted shipping. I don't know why I had them marked at $45 to begin with. Clearly like they've been in my closet for over a year. And when I got them, I thought they were something that they're not anymore. So yeah, I think J brand and page are pretty similar that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, so J brands no for me. What about you, Lori? Mm, no, no. American Eagle. All right. I don't knock mall brands at all. And American Eagle, I will pick up. Um, it obviously will depend on style and, um, you know, how the, the quality of it, because some American Eagles are pretty worn. Pretty worn. Yes. Yep. I would agree. Um, I, I feel like right now where I'm at with American Eagle is I'm maxed out with them. Like I like them and I like to pick them up. However, I haven't been to the bins in a while. Um, and that's really the only place I pick up American Eagle. Um, and I, sometimes 
when I am thinking of in terms of what I will buy, I think of what's currently in my closet. And I think currently in my closet, I probably have like three or four pairs of American Eagle. I have white, I have black, I think. So, and I have denim and they're all ripped up. Um, I like the jeggings, the high rise jeggings. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's, you know, when I buy them for my kids and I go in there, I'm spending $50 if I did that once in the fall because they just wanted something really specific and I hadn't found it at the thrift. Um, and it killed me. It was like buy one, get one half off. So I spent like $75 on two pairs of American Eagle, which all I could think of was that these are $1.75 at the bins. I know. <laughs> um, so I'm not picking them up right now. Um, because I don't need them right now, but I would pick up the right style. Like you said, something to 2017 in current high-waisted um, yes. And they're like, you know, that's like a good $20 flip. It is. It's a good 20, $25 on occasion. If it's a really popular style, you might be able to get 30, but you're looking in that 20, $25 range. Yeah. 20 to $30. No, I, I would, I would agree. And, um, it's super saturated, but mm. it is something that a lot of people wear. It's a brand people know, um, they know the fit. So yeah, pick yes at the bins, no everywhere else. The only time I've picked it up at Savers is if it was a half off day and the and it was four ninety nine and I'm only paying, you know, half of that. So Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense for anything, sure. Anything over four ninety nine American Eagle, I would never purchase it. Is it no. no? Yeah. Fair enough. hmm Next one, Hudson Jeans. I can tell you right now it's a no for me. It was a yes no. when I first started, but it's a no for me now. No for you now. Um I, I can't remember the last time I picked up Hudson. I mean, some people are still picking up the flap, the, you know, the V pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a following for that. Um, yeah, I think I bought a pair for myself that were um, new with tags, super clearanced out. Tried them on, they fit, but I didn't love the fit. And I ended up selling those. And I think that was the last pair I bought. So they were new with tag. Um they have cute jeans, like the the newer the newer stuff that I see at TJ Maxx is is relatively cute, um, you know, and their retail is ridiculous. But um, but I think yeah. herein lies the problem with some of these brands is that you can find them at TJ Maxx now. Yes, and TJ Maxx has sales, and mo- I, I feel like a lot of people who shop on Poshmark know about TJ Maxx, and they shop at TJ Maxx. Like I, I think yeah, I, I agree. Think we're talking about <laughs> similar people, um, I've yeah. always been a TJ Maxx shopper, and I feel like a lot of our shoppers on Poshmark they're smart and they do shop at TJ Maxx. I mean, this is why the North Face on the Real Real blows my mind that those people don't know about TJ Maxx. You know, like that's right. what's crazy to me. Right. Um, and our and I don't know if if um, the real real takes any of these brands like if they take Hudson or I think they take Rag and Bone and they do take Current Elliot which is another yes. thing we're going to talk about so yes. that could be an option in terms of um, speaking to multiple streams of income maybe you do find I I don't want to say Hudson because probably they don't take it but let's say Current Elliot which we will talk about as far as do we pick it up at the thrift but if you do pick it up and you can't sell it in your closet. Maybe it's something you can just ship to the real real if you get it for the right price. That's exactly what I do. If it's been sitting for too long, then Rag and Bone and Kareen Elliott go right off to the real real. And how long is too long? Uh, for me, it's between two to three months. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes one month. It really depends. If I know, like if it's gotten absolutely no attention, then I don't even bother wasting time. Just send it off. Bye. See you mm. later. 
I don't want to. I can't wait to get into that rhythm. I'm so (laughs) jealous. I just want to know, like, okay, you're going, you're done. You're off the team. Yeah. I don't want you anymore. Bye. I'm sending you away. Goodbye. (laughs) Okay. So rag and bone. I like rag and bone. Uh, Man, I like them, but I just, I always find size 24 and size 25. And I think this is the problem. So the last pair of rag and bone I purchased were size 29. And I said in my video, like I paid up a little bit for them. I bought them at the consignment store that I've been at. And I I think I specifically said if these were 24, I probably would have passed on them. But they were 29 and I'm desperate for 29, 30, 31, 32 in my closet. Cannot keep them in my closet. It's a very popular size. Yes. It is. But I feel like I like rag and bone style. Like if I'm like... All things considered, like, I love their designs and I love what they put out. So I, I want to root for them. Like Hudson jeans, like boot cut, flap over pocket. I'm like, meh, like that style. But I like a lot of um, rag and bone and frame too. Like, so sometimes it gets sucked in because I like them and then they just sit. I, I have, a, I, I feel like my frame and rag and bone stuff has been sitting. Um, it just, I don't even, I can't even believe I didn't put frame on this list, but frame is also accepted on the real reel as well. Cause that's where I send all yes. my frame stuff because it doesn't move. Like you said, it's been sitting. I, you know, it's crazy. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Denim is a really interesting, really interesting topic to me because I mean, I'm like a size 12, 14 and honestly I wear like old Navy jeans. And I would love to say that I have this, and I always say like, you know, I should, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I feel like if I, if I were smaller, if I had like a body, like I would probably, I have a great body. I love my curves. I just want to say that. However, if I had like a more gene friendly body, if that makes sense, I probably would pay up for some of these jeans, but I don't want to spend the money. Like I wear long shirts over my jeans. I'm not belting things on like I don't know. I just, I can't justify it, but like, I, I do like denim quite a bit. I just feel like I like the comfort. I like the stretch. It It's what works for my body. Um, yeah. And so I have a hard time with like the $200 price tag on jeans, but I feel like if, if I had, if I had the right pair of jeans that fit me, like I'm really intrigued by good American. Oh my God. I was just going to say that good American is my favorite I love Good American. Because it was made, it's made for curves and certain styles, like people rave about it. So like, I would probably invest in a pair of Good American jeans, you know, if it fit me the right way and pulled me in all the right spots. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I like jeans to fit snug and like, I want, I want like, you know, want them to hold me in. So yeah, maybe I just need to find the right jean to, in, to spend the money on. Because a lot of these brands, I just don't think it's worth the money. Yeah, and I think, I think people will say the same thing about Everlane. Everlane just makes a really good jean too. Um, hmm. I should try them on. Yeah, Everlane is great, and um, and Good American. Those those are two that I do enjoy, and I and I do like Madewell jeans too for myself. But um, hmm. Everlane, Good American is my number one, hands down. Okay, I need to try mine. I actually have a pair of wide leg free people jeans that I got on sale that I was going to resell and then I tried them on and I love them. They're not like super flattering looking on me, but they have like a frayed leg. They're wide. I feel like they're the most current like hip pair of jeans that I have. And I just like <laughs> love the vibe of them. Like yeah. I love them. So um I wear those sometime too. They have a little bit of stretch. They have to have stretch. 
uh, yeah, it has to have sp- a little spandex in there. It needs to be comfortable, but it also needs to be form fitting, which mm-hmm. is what Blue American gives me. So I like them. Oh, I got to try them. I have to try them. Okay, Citizens of Humanity. No, we skipped one. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I feel like we, 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 keep, we keep talking about it. We keep talking around it. Current Elliot. Yeah. So I love current Elliot's style in their jeans, but man, they don't move. Yeah, they don't. I bought a really cool pair on retail arbitrage. They're like a charcoal and they have like, um, almost like rhinestones, like vertical stripes from the, from the calf down. They're super cool crazy expensive and I think I paid like 12 or 15 dollars for them and they're in like a 31 or 32 Mm -hmm. radio silence nada nothing I should send them no they don't they don't move for me either and that's I end up sending them in too because it just doesn't move so I feel like I've seen current Elliot on like every person's list of what I'm not picking up anymore like you name a reseller on YouTube they have said they're not picking up current Elliot anymore maybe we should pick it up because nobody else is picking it up. <laughs> no but it's not it doesn't sell very well for me but I don't truthfully I don't come across it a lot no I mean I come unless I'm at TJ Maxx I don't find it at Savers I don't find it at Goodwill I found it at Savers a few times but that's really it okay yeah, it's a no. It, okay. It's a no. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess no for me. I haven't really found it, but yeah, I'll, I'm gonna say no. Okay, citizens of humanity. I want to say yes, but it's a no. <laughs> it's a no. I feel like I find all the old citizens of humanity. I feel like I found a current. If I found a current pair, I would consider it, and I would look up comps. I have no idea what comps even are on citizens of humanity now. Um, I find really old ones. Yeah. I find a lot of boot cut citizens of humanity. So hard to say, cause I haven't come across a pair that I would even look up comps or like take a second look and be like, Oh, now these are kind of nice. Right. I feel like I would pick them up if they were the right pair. I just haven't come across them in like six months or more. Ugh, so depressing. These brands make me so sad because they're such good, good items, you know? Ugh. Yeah, they are. They're all quality jeans. Every single yeah. one of these is. All right, the next one is J. Crew. So there is really one type of J. Crew that I'll buy, and it's typically the nine inch or ten inch high rise toothpick jeans. Toothpick. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just bought a pair for myself, and I love them. Love yeah. them. They're but very, they don't resell very, very well. I mean, their resale value is. I, I don't know. I, I was going to sell them. Do you do you have good luck selling them? Um, I've sold. I have two pairs listed in no I have one pair left in, in my closet and I, I think I had four that I found one day um at Salvation Army they're all the new tag J crew and I mm-hmm. think I got them for four or five dollars I don't remember but it wasn't much and I was able to sell them between the 45 and 55 dollar range so I was happy with that but they were also the oh, perfect that's really style, good. so sure yeah I, I would agree if that, that would be the only style that is the only style um, I've picked up in like over a year from them. Um, and it does catch my eye a lot. I think I tend to see it in smaller size a lot, sizes a lot, or I think what happens with that is savers marks them up. I think those are like yeah. $8.99 or nine, like, like they mark up lucky jeans to like $12.99. So I've seen J. Crew up to $13.49, which is crazy. 
that's insanity. Yeah. Savers has been obnoxious lately, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so I think because of that, I pass on them a lot. So I guess if, you know, if I saw those at the bins or if they happen to miss the markup on them and they happen to be like five forty nine or six ninety nine even, and I had a 20% off coupon, then I would consider them in like a larger size. I'm just really, really looking for bigger sizes right now. I mean, when I say like my my jeans are like on top of a cabinet and they go in order of size and the 26, the 25, 26 and 27 are to the ceiling. Like I probably have like 10 of each and then it drops like the 29s. I might have three pairs of 29s and like I have three, three and three. So every time I go to the thrift, I've been looking for, you know, good denim in larger sizes and it's just really hard to come by for me. It is. And then there are times that I want to pick up Torrid jeans in plus size, but they mark them up at Savers. It's like anywhere from $9.99 to $16.49. And it's just crazy. I know. They treat Torrid like loft, like these. I know. They, they treat it like it's, I don't know. And, and I went through a phase where I was picking up Torrid all the time. And for whatever reason, some of my plus size clothing, clothing specifically Torrid, and um, I had two pieces from Mod Cloth. Mm-hmm. They were probably some of the most liked items in my closet, but nobody purchases them. Like they get likes like crazy, yeah. and I'll send offers, and then they are not being purchased. Like I have better luck in larger sizes with brands like Chico's and even Ralph Lauren or. Um, I just, I don't even know, but for whatever reason, Torrid is one of those. I don't know if it's, if Torrid is more like pink, like if it's a younger generation, um, like liking stuff, but then they're not buying. Like I, I have more likes on pink items from Victoria's Secret than I care. Like I get a like on a pink item and I click on it and nine times out of 10, it's someone like my daughter, some probably like 17 or 18 year old yeah. girl who's just liking everything with no intention to buy. I think Torrid has a mixed following. I think you have younger, and then I think you also have a lot of business professional individuals as well. I personally love a lot of their pieces. Um, I I own quite a few of um, Torrid pieces for work. And I mean, it's really comfortable clothing and they are made very well. There was a time where Torrid was like, like when I was younger, Torrid was very much like a more of a Gothic kind of scene like that. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah, it was. There was a time a lot of that. And then, um, then they started to kind of ramp things up and change things and change their marketing. And, but regardless, their stuff is very good, but I also think they mark their stuff down really cheap when they have their sales. So mm-hmm. it makes it difficult sometimes to resell. Um, Eloquy is a, a good one to look into, even in terms of jeans. Eloquy is like an up and coming plus size. Okay. Yeah. Right. I've seen that out and about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So J crew toothpick, we should, yeah. As we digress again. We can, we can really go off on a tangent, Daniela. Whoa. Bring us back. Are you still with uh, us? Everyone? Sorry right. about that. <laughs> last, last brand here, Miss Me Jeans. Uh, I want to pick them up, but I've stopped. Um, I don't know. Like They're just too interesting to pass up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a special pair. They have to be super blinged up for me. Yeah. Um, less than like nine ninety nine, or I won't do it. Oh yeah. Like I, I don't even think I spend $8 on them, like $7. Like, but like if I find them and you know, they're five ninety nine, and they are just too, 
too blinged up to pass by, I'll grab them. I think I have one pair in my closet right now. Other than that, I've sold everything. I also feel like they're like a summer jean. Like I feel like they're country concerts. I feel like they're uh, like a, like a certain person loves them, you know, so, and they'll continue to buy. I feel like if Miss Me started to get a high rise, that would be awesome. Cause I feel like, you know, like my daughter, for example, like loves the country concerts, but she hates low-waisted jeans. It's like, I feel like this generation of kids who grew up, like when they became teenagers and it was like low rise, everything, like I think they're scarred for life. So now like she won't even entertain the thought. She doesn't even like a mid rise anymore. And she could always wear the low rise too, but like hates it, hates it. And I feel like most of the miss me is low rise. Yeah, they definitely are. They are definitely mostly low rise. All right. That's all. Yeah, that's it. We, I mean, <laughs> jeans, gosh, we could keep going. Um, jeans go on for days, but that was it. That's our take it or leave it segment. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're not, if you're awake still. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to put you to sleep. Uh, no, that was, that was good. Um, yeah, we'll have to think of something new for next week. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there and listen to what everyone is saying and be mindful. And uh, yeah, always thank you. Thank you for all of your feedback and for just being so kind to Lori and I, and, you know, just sharing your thoughts with us and others about the podcast. We really love seeing all of that. Oh my gosh. Every time I get a message from somebody, um, it just really makes my day. And you know, I, I'm I'm appreciative for Daniela and our partnership here. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you, everyone. Please take care of one another. Did you see Italy? Did you see the people singing in Italy? Every time I watch I it, did. I cry. <laughs> Every time I watch it, I cry. It is just magnificent. We will get through this. The human spirit is pretty powerful. And I know we're all going to be together on this. And um, I am going to watch uh Denali's live tonight. It's nine thirty right now. Yeah, it's nine thirty. We've been oh, chatting. Okay, is well. it? Oh boy, this could be a long one. Yeah. All right, friends. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.